What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Nurse Ree, and you're tuning in to Forensic Nurse Files. This is an informative but fun true crime podcast that follows the careers of three forensic nurse examiners. We just want to note that this podcast uses foul language, some sarcasm, and contains descriptions of adult themes and violence that some people may find disturbing. So if you need support, please check the show notes or visit our website. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. It's Nurse Bree. And Nurse Joy. It's us, my friends. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, friends. We're like the dynamic duo. <laughs> I know. Okay, maybe like your half is dynamic and then my half is questionable. No, baby, you are absolutely dynamic. You bring the laugh factor. You bring a lightness to a lot of these heavy topics. So I absolutely love you and I am so thankful that you're here. That's giving me like way too much credit for the mess that I am listen what nurse is not a mess like especially a night shift nurse we're all fucking freaks right it's my coping mechanism for all the trauma I've endured at least you have good coping skills humor is a good one because it could be a lot worse child like a lot fucking worse I mean, at least I can also acknowledge that that's what it is, right? It could be way worse. I could be drinking or doing drugs or all these other things, you know? But, you know, here I am with my nuts. Strangling folks. Strangling people, you know? Just, I'm not doing any of those things. So I got that going for me, at least. (laughs) But today we're going to talk about domestic violence, intimate partner violence in the LGBTQ plus community. put this in because it doesn't get talked about often what better platform than ours right as forensic nurses than to talk about this because it's something that needs to be brought to light we love that i mean that's one of the main points of this podcast is to talk about things that don't get talked about often bringing awareness bringing awareness into things like that and this one i feel like i've never heard i don't hear a lot about i feel like in shows where there are lgbtq couples and relationships they're starting to kind of touch on um intimate partner violence between the two but i feel like that's just like the tip of the iceberg right i've had transgender patients uh-huh. in forensics in forensics i've had okay. a gay man um and i think that's it just two um i feel like i've had two transgender patients um one gay man that i remember mm-hmm. and i think that's it what about you I feel like for me, the one that I can remember was non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and that was the extent of it, and that's all that I can remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, see? See, and it's rare. I mean, it's not rare, but it happens, and it just doesn't get talked about often, so Exactly. Going to talk we are. About We're going to bring it to light. And so majority of the domestic violence awareness movement has focused on heterosexual relationships, right? That's what we see in the news. That's what we see with Me Too. That's what we see with all the of these. Anything pertaining to intimate partner violence, we see it correlating to heterosexual relationships. But members of the LGBTQ plus community have largely been left out of this movement. And recent research actually shows 
that members of this community fall victim to domestic violence at an equal or even higher rate. And that's according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. I have noticed that when you have two people in a relationship who are the same gender or sex physically attack each other, people take it lighter than if it were to be male and female. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if people just think that it's like a quote fair fight if it's the same gender sex um, or not. But I mean, the definition of intimate partner violence is physical, mental, sexual abuse to somebody you're in a relationship with. So that's still abuse, right? Um, Yeah. So I think that's also what is one of the factors that make people think that it's, oh, like more normal, normalized. Which shouldn't be, because it's still not right. And so some of the reasons that people in this community might not feel safe coming forward is because of prior experiences of physical or psychological trauma, like bullying and or hate crimes, like anything along those lines. It just makes people feel unsafe reporting these types of incidences. Why are we still discriminating against people? Like, it's so crazy. I I know, and they're not... So I was having... uh, My husband and I have long conversations about things like this, and... um, we were talking about how somebody famous was transitioning to female and this person had previously been married and has a child and um, people on the internet were commenting that she um, did this to their kid and like all this stuff. And my husband was like, dude, this person's child is still loved. It's 2023. If we have to change our language to, Um, use the correct pronouns for someone who prefers a specific one it's not hurting us it's not harming anyone so so use the correct pronouns and get on with your life i don't know does that sound mean i mean girl to me it don't sound mean but to some folks out there it might feel like it is just such an infringement on their life and their rights and they will not do it but again i think it's like what you said like It's not affecting you directly, except for maybe having to change the way you speak. So why not just do it? It's 2023, guys. Let's get it together. It feels like it takes way more energy to not than to just do it. I don't care. I don't care. I mean, I mean, it's not that I I don't care about that. It's just for me, it's not difficult to be kind to somebody who's going through um what society doesn't consider acceptable and i say that in quotes um so why not be an ally it's not you know um and so i was telling him we should take our daughter to the pride festival like things like that which i do actually want to go to a drag show those look really fun yes let's go yeah those look so fun um so i don't know now i'm off on my tangent but still i will rant all day about stuff like this though (laughs) It's, it's like, why would you choose to be harmful if you could choose to just not be harmful? I don't know. I will say, though, with the pronouns, like, it trips me up all the time. I'm still, it's a learning curve for me. Like, I fuck up all the time, but I promise there's no malicious intent behind it. I'm an ally. I see you. I hear you. And I'm going to get there eventually. You're not mm-hmm. insisting that it's incorrect or something. Like, you're trying. Oh, let me stop ranting now before this whole podcast turns into that. <laughs> so let's talk about the term outing. So outing means threatening to reveal one partner's sexual orientation or gender identity may be used as a tool of abuse in violent relationships and may also be a barrier which reduces the likelihood of help seeking for the abuse. 
So I have heard of gay men who are to, who were, aren't ready to come out yet, who date other men and they'll threaten to out them as a form of abuse, uh, psychological aggression that we just learned about mm-hmm. to control them. Is that what this means? I think that that's exactly what this means. It's not your story to tell. Exactly. Like, why would you do that to somebody? Exactly. Like how damaging. They, so what I'm, I'm feeling like this means that they're holding it over their head. Like if you don't do what I tell you to do or act how I want you to act, I'm going to out you to everyone. Mm-hmm. And they're using that as a tool of control, which is also then abuse. <sighs> which causes so much psychological trauma. Yeah. yeah. You have now taken that person's consent from them. And once again, consent is cool and mandatory. Consent is, is cool and mandatory. Okay? Every episode. Every fucking episode. If it's one thing, I'll shut the fuck up about everything else if you just take consent is cool and mandatory. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you're not taking this person's consent away by threatening to expose the information that they have chosen to keep to themselves by use it as a tool for control and that's Mm -hmm. fucked up that is a fucked up psychological tactic that's fucked up and so seeking help can be complicated and there's a lot of reasons that people do not seek help a lot of times uh, this community can feel like they're being minimized. Uh, yes. They can feel like, you know, like they can feel like they're being minimized or they might feel like they have to explain their lifestyle to the provider, which can also like, that's not on them to have to then educate somebody else mm-hmm. about their lifestyle. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I can feel that as being a minority myself, like it is draining to have to explain to everybody why you are the way you are. Yeah, exactly. And and mm-hmm. so the word that sticks out to me reading the paragraph you wrote in the outline is minimized, which like I'm mm-hmm. really tired of um members of the LGBTQ plus community feeling like that is not okay. And I'm tired of them feeling minimized because they are important. All of you are important. Yeah. All of you deserve better than how the society has treated you you know Mm -hmm. and it's like i said it's 2023 come on right and we're all humans exactly and us as medical professionals have been trained to treat everybody equally no matter what Mm -hmm. so right but the good thing about a lot of hospitals these days is they are moving towards like using correct pronouns like we didn't used to ever have to in a patient's chart, put their preferred pronouns, which we do now. Oh, yeah. I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do too. Or in our emails, like, you can put your preferred pronouns. Like, it is it is evolving. It's taking some time. And people are giving pushback. But I think the more the majority of us are allies, um, the easier it'll come. Yeah, I agree. So some reasons that people... Um, delay seeking help some barriers i should say that people um encounter when trying to seek help 
Okay. Societal beliefs that domestic violence does not occur in this community. So kind of like what you said, like when they're same-sex relationships, people think it's not as bad, which is exactly. definitely not true. Not true. Potential Ooh. homophobia from staff or service providers or from non-LGBTQ domestic violence victims that they may come in contact with. That's huge. Yeah. So I was going to say that one is a big one. Homophobia. That is a big one. Yeah big one Mm -hmm. um, and i think it also homophobia comes from a lack of exposure right people just don't know like what to do what to think how to act Mm -hmm. and so they just kind of yeah exactly just shut down when they come in contact with something that they don't know yeah exactly um that's yeah that's that's a big big one right there homophobia um the site the next one is a big one too lack of appropriate training regarding lgbtq plus domestic violence or intimate partner violence for service providers which is true i feel like Mm -hmm. as medical professionals we are required to um get re-educated every year in certain things like you know for instance i just did my sexual harassment um training and uh, safe patient handling training so why don't we have one for lgbtq um patients right we should yep we totally should we have the cultural diversity we have all of that stuff cultural diversity yep that one that one's true we we do that yearly so why not this one too yeah Um, and i i think it's coming i have a feeling it's coming in in more states than not i hope so I hope so. It has to. It has to. I yeah. It has to. Um. So a fear that airing the problems among the LGBTQ plus population will take away from progress toward equality or fuel bias. Uh, that's true. Um. That's super true. I think that that's a big one too. Like a lot of people don't want to bring more stereotypes to their community when there's already so many. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one. Um, domestic violence shelters are typically female only, and transgender individuals may not be allowed entrance to to their gender, genital, legal status. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't even that's a big deal that. too. That yeah. makes me think about like you know we hear about bathrooms so often you don't even yeah. think about like the bigger picture. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I didn't even think. Are about there it. domestic violence shelters? I was just about to say that too, and I don't know. I feel like they should exist, but I don't know if one does. There should be. I don't know either. You know okay. what? I'm gonna go on a limb and say they do exist, and they're just not talked oh. about. Yeah, I and we probably should have talked about that in violence against men. Yes, that should have been a thing for that episode. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I I just... Yeah, this just triggered that thought. But even in researching in violence against men, that never came up. So, I don't know. Good question. Side note, and you can keep this in or out, I don't care, but did you ever finish reading that choking thing I sent you? The, no, the properly your partner thing. I was just wondering. No, I, I didn't read it because you said you were going to, and I was just going to ask you. But I was going to ask how it went. 
You give a no, break. I need to. I haven't had a minute to do anything. I know. <laughs> That's a good point. You don't have it. You haven't had a minute to do shit. Okay, yeah. No. Yeah. No. But uh, trust me, it's on the list because I want to yeah. know. I know we do. Um, so another one is the yes. dangers associated with outing oneself and risking rejection from friends, family, and society. So we just learned what the term outing means. And it is, the, this is a good point that you put in the outline. It's dangerous. It's very dangerous to out somebody. Very, very yeah. dangerous. I don't think people understand the magnitude of the danger that you put somebody in when you out them. Because right. it's not just about uh, gossiping or spreading, you know, rumors or whatever. It's legitimately like people would, some people want to hurt people that are yeah. part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, not to mention how emotionally dangerous that is too. So mm-hmm. let's just not out or people. even right or even coming out yourself. Um, how yeah. scary that can be and how life altering that can be. Um, mm-hmm. I know a lot of my friends that have come out have lost family members or family members have disowned them or don't talk to them mm-hmm. anymore. And so yeah. it's a yeah. super, or it can be a super volatile time in somebody's life. Um, yeah, exactly. And so it's just, you never want to just do that for somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like, why would you even think to do that for somebody? Nope. You must be a special <laughs> kind of fucked up. A special kind of fucked up. Um, Yeah, so let's just not out people, yeah? Let's just not out people, yeah? That'd be great. Um, So, low Uh, levels of confidence in the effectiveness of the legal system. Um, That is very true. The legal system has failed a lot of people. A lot of children. Yeah, a lot of people. And so... This and it reminds me about like a lot of the podcasts where there's or shows or documentaries or whatever when there's people who live alternative lifestyles or like quote unquote high risk lifestyles and then their cases aren't taken seriously by law enforcement or the legal system or whoever just because maybe their lifestyle is something that they don't agree with and so um, I feel like that's a, another reason yeah people don't have confidence in the legal system especially when you don't at that moment oh yeah yeah they already feel disowned or um frowned upon by society um what more confidence could they have in the legal system if that's Mm -hmm. how they're treated outside of it you know Mm -hmm. exactly so systemic discrimination uh survivors may fear being denied resources because of their identity they may also fear that resources will not be inclusive or supportive of their so kind of like what we said, um, if you're already being discriminated against, why yeah. would any resources be supportive towards you? Yeah. Um, and that's really sad. Um, everybody should be included and supported in, mm-hmm. um, you know, in all aspects of life. And the fact that this is who you are is the reason why you fear um, well, you have fear against certain things. That's really tough. That must right. be really- especially when you're born a certain way. That's these are not things you can change. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if people think that they like choose this. <laughs> like you picked I've it. Definitely heard people say that. You know, like why would I like some? 
why would someone choose to put themselves in this type of situation where society and the legal system and all that stuff like treat them this way why right 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 why would they want to make no one would choose that yeah why would they make their their lives harder you know no um so girl it's 2023 why are we still chilling in the 50s i'm just saying (laughs) and we're the united states like we're we're supposed to be this melting pot and everybody wants to suppose or used to want to come here <laughs> like yeah. what are we doing what are we doing guys what are we doing yeah um so community relations it is common for lgbtq plus communities to gather in safe spaces or areas that are supportive of their identities a survivor could have a higher probability of running into their abuser in these shared spaces i didn't even think of that that is so true yeah. I didn't even think about it. Yeah. You do think about it and they are small groups, small pockets, you know, it's, I think about it. I can relate that to like a traveler community of travel nurses. I went into the same travel nurses, like from place to place that I go because it's such a small community. At least in my specialty it is. And so I can only imagine like being a member of the LGBTQ community and say you live in like one specific area. I'm sure you guys or they're going to a lot of the same places and a lot of the same circles run together. And so it'd be hard to get away. Exactly. They're very limited in the spaces where they feel like they are they have they are safe. And so mm-hmm. yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's so true. Anything about that? And then identity abuse. The abuser may weaponize the identity of the survivor and threaten to out the survivor to people in their life. The survivor may be manipulated into thinking that this is normal in LGBTQ plus relationships or that they're not enough of their identity. So going back to outing. Yep. Outing and gaslighting. Yep. It's fun around here. Great times. It's great fucking times. Jeez, jeez, this is brutal. This is so brutal. The Cardi B meme comes to mind. Like, what was the reason? What is the reason? (laughs) What is the reason? All right, so the percentages. Here we go. National survey data do indicate that intimate partner violence is common in the LGBTQ plus community. 43.8% of lesbian women and 61.1% of bisexual women have experienced rape physical violence and or stalking by an intimate partner at some point in their lifetime as opposed to 35% of heterosexual women. Really significantly in the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And we were saying earlier, remember that we didn't think that people took same sex relationships seriously because when it's two males, females, or um, like an even playing field, I guess you could say, then it's taken less, less, it, it seems like a lot less harsh, but the percentages are higher, guys. They're way higher. Like, like significantly like, higher. Like, yeah, like significantly higher. 61.1% of bisexual women. Yeah. Right. That's, so that's wild. And then I wonder though, so bisexual women, I wonder if it's because it's men and women. Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. 
But I mean, it's justified that puts them at higher risk. Yeah. That, yeah. Coming. So 26% of gay men and 37.3% of bisexual men have experienced rape, physical violence, and are stalking by an intimate partner in comparison to 29% of heterosexual men. So again, well, gay men is a little bit lower, but bisexual men is, is definitely higher. So unfortunate. It's crazy that these numbers are high and we don't hear about it. But like we said at the beginning, it's underreported. People don't feel safe reporting and it's understandable why. Yeah, exactly. That's true. We don't really hear about it. So I wonder why. To me, that's the saddest part in all of this. Um, in a study of male same-sex relationships, only 26% of men called the police for assistance after experiencing near lethal violence, near lethal violence. That only 26%. So only like a quarter, only a quarter, only a quarter have called law enforcement for assistance. And I truly believe that it's because they almost died. Yeah, near lethal. Near lethal, you guys. And I, I truly believe it. It's honestly, they they probably think that they won't take them seriously or they won't do anything about it. And that's why they don't yeah. call. I agree. That's so bad. We have to do better. We have, we have to. to do better. People just need to be educated. There needs to be a, a bigger push for inclusion. Exactly. You know, exactly. Like, we're pushing for all these other aspects of of inclusion for everybody else that we no man left behind exactly or woman man woman or non-binary no person left behind no person yes exactly see what i tell you i'm working on it i'm working on it in 2012 fewer than five percent of lgbtq plus survivors of intimate partner violence sought orders of protection wow so like that's 10 years ago so i'm wondering and i'm hoping that this percentage has gone up because um, restraining orders uh, should be taken out and should be taken seriously um, for people who feel that they're in danger from somebody. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that that percentage is higher. Right. Because- and as we talked about in previous episodes, like they're issued so quick. <laughs> like we've seen it. We've both seen it issued like instantly at the bedside, in the ER, in our office. Um, so we know that it's possible. There's no reason that these communities should be left out. Exactly. And somehow they still are. So what can we do to change that? You know? Right. So transgender victims are more likely to experience intimate partner violence in public compared to those who do not identify as transgender. Fucked up. I wonder why. You know what? I feel like... I have seen videos of people, like, being more, I don't want to say violent, but maybe, like, outing transgenders on the street or, you know, or, like, just, like, being aggressive towards transgender, I I should say. Yeah, and I don't know if that's a whole power-shame thing going on, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. maybe... that's what it seems like to me I agree and it's like I don't know people think it's funny or like I don't know if they're doing it for clout or for likes or whatever but it's not cool cool. yeah or to look cool when it's not cool you just look a dude but okay or you'll see like a celebrity maybe like had a fling or an affair with a transgender and then when that person 
brings it to light, then all of a sudden the celebrity's like shaming that person. Yeah. Which is yeah. weird. You did it too. <laughs> like you also partook in that. So um, right. you're shaming that person when you also did right. it. Right. And also like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. That's very true. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Like like what you like, love what you love, do what you want to do. As long as you're not hurting anybody or, you know, and consent is in place. Yes, girl. Talk your shit. What is with this? Uh, Not us having suppressed frustration at at society for failing minorities. I know. Listen, I've lived it my whole life. For everyone that's like, damn, this one sounds personal. Like, yeah, it kind of is. It is. It is. It's personal as fuck. It's personal as hell, okay? It's triggering. It is. It is. And I've never, I've never personally had, you know, struggles from an LGBTQ plus perspective. But I am a minority, you know? Right. I, I can't imagine, like people with who are minorities part of the lgbtq plus community part of the percentage that has experienced intimate partner violence like what mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. damn right right especially coming from the work environment we just came from like, yeah. that was brutal. triggering that was brutal that was brutal add something else to the pile of shit we talk about in therapy <laughs> Bisexual victims are more likely to experience sexual violence compared to people who did not identify as bisexual. I wonder why that is. More likely to experience sexual violence. Well, maybe because you're that person is um, dating both uh, men and women. Yeah. And maybe like the disconnects in between. um, Because I've heard of partners being resentful that their partner's uh are bisexual instead of straight so i don't know if that or if i'm just making that up but yeah if the the, um statistic is this then something has to be going on right right yeah for sure lgbtq black and african-american victims are more likely to experience physical intimate partner violence compared to those who do not identify as black or african-american oh wow LGBTQ white victims are more likely to experience sexual violence compared to those who do not identify as white. Okay. So, so blacks are more more likely to experience physical violence. Whites are more likely to experience sexual violence. Wow. Huh. And um, LGBTQ plus victims on public assistance are more likely to experience intimate partner violence compared to those who are not on public assistance. Um, I feel like that's a risk factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. just like low socioeconomic status. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then if you, you know, if these are stacked against you, right? If you are on public assistance and are white or African American, then these your percentage doubles, triples. Duh. So what can we do, nursery? What can we do? The National Domestic Violence Hotline is one eight hundred seven nine nine SAFE, and you can call that. 24-7. If you need someone to talk to or someone you know needs someone to talk to, or if you need referrals for local services, just feel free to call it. 
Um, learn how to create and model healthy relationships in all parts of your life. This, I feel like, goes for everybody. Um, mm -hmm. Don't assume that someone's relationship must be healthy or unhealthy because of their gender or sexuality. Yes. Huge. Yes. The word assume is in there, um, mm -hmm. which is a big word. Don't assume that someone's relationship must be healthy or unhealthy. Um, it's very, I mean, just like you said, it's all about creating and modeling healthy relationships. Um, and it says in all parts of your life. So I'm assuming that means like familial, friendly, or uh, platonic and romantic. Um, mm -hmm. But it's for a lot of people, it's not easy, but it's step one, right? Boundaries. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I feel like this is why like um, representation is so important. Yeah. What you see on TV and what you see in movies is what you're going to aspire to be. So if you're not seeing those healthy things um, in the form of people that look like you or behave like you or just like you, you're not likely to develop those um, healthy relationships. Yes, absolutely. And representation is huge. It is. I agree. Mm hmm. So um, you also should get familiar with local resources for all survivors of domestic violence. Share the information with your communities. Um, so when I was in nursing school, remember I told you I volunteered for that center that was dedicated to LGBTQ plus communities. And um, that was like 100 years ago. But um, I feel like back then... Um, it wasn't as, which it wasn't even that long ago, but it wasn't as common for you to be able to just pull your phone out and Google, and now it is. So you can pull your phone out and Google, like, any resource close to you, even in maps. It'll show you, um, mm -hmm. um, even, like, the Planned Parenthoods before were really hard to find because they were, like, hidden and there weren't that many. Um, now it's kind of the same concept as centers like that, where you can find them anywhere. Um, just pull your phone yeah. out, Google it. You have friends that also um, either have heard of or need to hear of those resources so that you guys can share information. Um, mm -hmm. Now it's very easily accessible to get familiar with the resources for that. So um, at least that's good about the internet. Right. I totally agree. Sharing is caring. Sharing? You know, it doesn't hurt. You never know what someone's going through, so it doesn't hurt to just, like, share a resource just because. I mean, why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, so educate yourself on how to support and be an ally to the LGBTQ community. If someone tells you they're experiencing intimate partner violence, believe them and tell them they're not responsible for the behavior. I feel yeah. like that's that is, seems like such a small thing, but... In the moment, it probably means so much to that person. Yes. Um, yes. So, so much. You know, um, so just make sure that your people know that you're there for them. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, make it clear that people should be accountable for their own behavior. Sexual orientation or gender identity are not excuses for harming a partner. Um, so I feel like when people are in intimate partner violence relationships, this is a really hard one for them to understand um, because people want to be responsible for other people's behavior when in fact they're not. Mm -hmm. um, they're only accountable for their own. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, that's something yeah. that I think across the board should be should be uh, more common to learn. Yeah, and then I also think that people make excuses for their partner a lot of oh, times yeah. for their partner's behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's also just like not something you can do, but also not something you can really do anything about. Um, mm-hmm. but people definitely need to be accountable for their own behavior oh, yeah. and like the, like it said sexual orientation or gender identity are not excuses for harming a partner and I just want to add that they're not an excuse for harming anyone period exactly. not just a partner exactly. yeah um, follow LGBTQ plus activists on social media and stay up to date with current issues that's yes. huge. Just keep educated, keep being an ally, whatever you can do to show your support and to show that you're trying in those mountains. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said before, it's way easier now to take your phone out and look it up on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, anything. Find activists on social media and learn from them. Yeah. And if you see something, if you see somebody being discriminated against, say something, do something, stop it. Just speak up for that person because not everybody is comfortable in standing up for themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So if you see something, say something. Exactly. And that can make a whole lot of, a huge difference. A huge difference. And so as far as risk factors go, I'm just going to throw some at y'all real quick. And these cover all types of domestic violence, including intimate partner violence, teen dating violence, anything that falls under that blanket. So some individual risk factors can be low self-esteem, low education or income, young age, heavy alcohol or drug use, anger and hostility, depression and suicide attempts, history of being physically abusive, economic stress, emotional dependence and insecurity, the list goes on and on. Some relationship risk factors can be relationships that include jealousy, possessiveness, and tension. If there's divorce or separations going on, families that experience economic stress, dominance and control of the relationship by one partner over the other, witnessing violence between parents as a child, parents with less than a high school education, etc., etc. Some community risk factors can be high rates of poverty and limited educational economic opportunities, high unemployment rates, high rates of violent crime, communities where neighbors don't know or look out for each other, communities with easy access to drugs and alcohol. There's a lot. And then some societal risk factors can be traditional gender norms and gender inequality, cultural norms that support aggression towards others, societal income inequality, and weak health, educational, economic, and social policies or laws. So that wraps up our domestic violence series. You guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach us at our website, ForensicNurseFiles.com. You can email us at ForensicNurseFilesPod at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram at ForensicNurseFiles. And as always, stay safe and we'll catch you on the next episode.